0: Welcome to Revolve, where we explore big questions from all angles. Each season, we use one big question to dive into a topic with experts, showing how perspective matters and building thoughtful solutions. I'm Tripp Williams. Season one, what makes an economy strong and vibrant? Using Seattle as a case study, this season we talk with different people involved in economic development to learn how economies are built. The following episode features Brian McGowan, CEO of Greater Seattle Partners. Greater Seattle Partners is a public-private partnership working to promote a strong economy for the Seattle region. In this episode, Brian and I talk about the benefit of planning economies regionally, the economic strength and potential in Seattle, and the importance of building economies that include everyone. And one quick note for you, you'll notice a change in the audio about halfway through. That's us switching sources to work through some tech challenges. I'm very excited to have Brian McGowan from Greater Seattle Partners on. Brian, welcome.
1: Thank you. I look excited for this conversation.
0: Yeah. And so, Brian, you offer a a really interesting and rich set of experiences. I'm excited to talk a little bit more about those um, in the episode. I want to start with just a few definitions. Uh, So what does economic development mean to you and the communities you've worked with?
1: So that's a really big question. I've, I've been doing economic development uh, for over 20 years in different parts of the country and public and private organizations and, you know, all levels of government. So it, it, it means, you know, different things. I've seen lots of different uh, definitions, but for me, it really boils down to, um, I think, what is the vision for greater Seattle partners? So we're we are a regional economic development organization representing the three-county Puget Sound region or greater Seattle region. And our vision statement is uh, is that every person in the region has an opportunity to prosper. Hmm. So I think that's what really is the basis of economic development is to make sure that you know people within the jurisdiction that you're concentrating on, that everybody has an opportunity to prosper. So whether you're a small business or a large business, or you're, you know, a high school graduate, or you're a, a you know, latent career, you know, changing um, career kind of a person, that your economy should be providing opportunities so that anybody who wants to live there has an opportunity to prosper.
0: I like that's a, a really, really rich and engaging definition. Thanks for starting there. I'm curious the the work you've been involved with, and in either in your current role or past examples the projects that you've seen uh, really work well and those that you've seen maybe work not as well. What are the characteristics you've seen for those successful projects and what are the, about the common traits of those projects that haven't fared as well?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, as you know, all professions and disciplines kind of evolve and change and over my, my 20 years of doing this, I think that I probably would have answered that question differently depending on, you know, what point in my career uh, you would be asking me that question. So, um, you know, a, a lot of places would have considered maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, even now in some places, depending on the needs of the economy, that kind of any win is a win. So I've been involved in projects where you provide, you know, governments provide an incentive to get a company to locate, whether that's a headquarters or a manufacturing facility, or whatever it might be. Um, and that's considered a win, right? Just, you know, a, a win is a win. A company located. More and more now, it's, uh, it's the conversation shifting towards inclusion or economic inclusion. So it's not just, mm. are you able to provide an incentive to get a company to locate? But their questions are being asked about, you know, how many people of color did that company uh, hire? Uh, does that mm. company provide down payment assistance for its employees? Does that company provide transit subsidies for its employees? Uh, mm-hmm. Will that company uh, prioritize hiring locals as opposed to importing uh, people from outside of the market for those jobs? Uh, so those those are more questions that I would say that you know successful economic development projects kind of take that holistic uh, picture, uh, whether you know you're providing an incentive and trying to get a company to locate that you're You're thinking about economic inclusion. I think Hmm. best projects are where incentives are provided to companies that um, may not need the incentive, right? So incentives, unfortunately, this game of incentives, and we should talk a little bit about that, but this game of incentives, there's lots of criticism about whether or not they work and whether or not there should be a national moratorium on incentives. Who are the winners and losers when a company is offered an incentive? Um, I think incentives are good, but I think incentives can be overused or abused. And so I think hmm. a bad project would be, you know, a a jurisdiction and economic development organization, you know, over giving uh, when it comes to an incentive, not getting enough from, not recognizing the, the value you're supposed to bring to your constituent. Hmm.
0: Great. That's that's a that's a really helpful place to start, and I would love to circle back to that. So I'll I'll um I think another a, a later question will bring us back to the chance to dive in a little bit more about that. So that's great. So Brian, you, you just offered an example of something when it comes to inclusion that hasn't always been considered in economic development projects, um, and you know to our benefit, that now is something that's more consistently. Uh, included. What's an example, or are, what are the things that we still aren't thinking about when we think about economic development? What's still missing from our thinking?
1: Well, there's a few different ways I could answer that question. I, I think um, I think people need to understand that that economic development, um, when you're thinking about growing your economy or attracting investment, um, there's there's other factors. It's not just incentives. It's not just business attraction, but it's also the quality of your transportation system, it's the quality of your K through 12 educational system, it's your community college system, your workforce delivery systems, it's your crime rates, it's the quality of your streets and your parks, quality of life, that investment has, uh, it's also regulation, right? So it's places that are, you know, if there's too much regulation or if there's political uncertainty or instability, um, money uh, investment likes to go where it feels safe and where it's going to be protected. Mm-hmm. And so economic development at the end of the day is a it's a zero-sum game when it comes to co- companies and dollars can choose between best products. So if one city is offering more incentives or has lower crime rate, better better workforce delivery systems – a better quality of life um, you know they're going to have an advantage and so this kind of game of economic development it, you know has to be be seen holistically I, as an economic developer i see obviously you know to a hammer everything's a nail i guess but for me as an economic developer i kind of see everything that uh, a government uh, does um, affects its long term economic uh, outcomes and trajectory and so I think all of those, I think we have to remember that all of these things add up to economic development.
0: That's actually a great segue to uh, to my next question. You alluded a little bit earlier to the different experiences you've had in economic development from working in the government to now your current role, a little bit more focused on private sector development. I'm curious if you can trace for us your path and what brought you to your role today, focused more on the private sector.
1: Yes. Um, so I started my career in government economic development. So I worked for uh, cities and counties uh, in California. I had my first job out of college, I worked for the city of Palm Springs, California, um, and um, I really enjoyed that work because you do have the kind of uh, you know the power and the authority and the tools of a government entity to do economic development and market a place and attract investment and you know, create that business friendly environment that uh, that businesses want. So, you know, that was uh, really um, a really great way to it's a really great way to start your career in economic development. And then, you know, I moved up uh, and I worked uh, to I worked for the Schwarzenegger uh, administration. So I was deputy secretary of commerce uh, for the state of California. Now, in that role, you're you're a little more removed, you know, from the direct negotiations with developers and working directly with employers to make sure that they're, you know, staying in your jurisdiction and growing, it's more kind of policy related, you know, less, less high touch. um, But, but, you know, still, you know, very, very interesting. And then later in in my career, when I was in Atlanta, I, I did a couple of years doing economic development with the Metro Atlanta chamber. Uh, which is where I was working with uh, for the first time, I was working in a what's known as a public-private partnership model of economic development. So working with a lot of CEOs and you know private companies, along with government entities. And it's just a very uh, it's it's a more flexible way to do economic development. Um, you know governments do have lots of restrictions and what they can and can't do, but it's also very powerful when you have the CEOs of big companies uh, that are uh, activated to help uh, market and sell and attract investment to your jurisdiction it's a different kind of uh, economic development which i found mm. very challenging uh, so that's how i ended up in my current role is that this was a very unique uh, opportunity uh, in in a couple ways number 1 i always say this is the most beautiful place i've ever lived um <laughs> and i love that i love being here but secondly the economy in this region is just is is just spectacular. It's it's it punches above its weight. Uh, it's uh, just a very interesting, sophisticated uh, economy, uh, large, fast-growing, diverse. I wanted to be there, and uh, the third reason is the GSP Greater Seattle Partners is is a startup. Uh, this region has never come together before to do economic development as a region, which is fairly unusual most major american regions have been doing this for a long time so i thought that would be a, an interesting challenge to come and do that and pull the public and private sector together to do economic development
0: sure and that's actually a, i'd love to 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 click on that one for a moment you you talk about the region versus the city and i'm curious if you can offer a yeah. perspective on you know the when we think about the different unit if you will right where economic yeah. occurs what is that? Um, you know, what is ideal? I, it's, I yeah, no, it's a great talk. question
1: because um, I think that's one of the reasons why this region hasn't um, come together as a region and work together. Whereas a lot of other American regions, not just American, but internationally, uh, this notion of regional economic development m- makes sense uh, because regions work, uh, economies work regionally. So I, I always tell people, uh, economies don't work within the little lines that we draw on maps. So there's, mm-hmm. there's not many people who, uh, I am sure there are people, but there's not a lot of people who, who are born and stay and live in the same town and work in the same town and go to school in the same town for their entire lives. You know, so I know, for example, <clears throat> a typical day for me is I'm probably in, I'm in at least two different counties. I'm in at least, I drive through at least three or four different cities, um, and most people do. You know, you go to you work in one city, you shop in a different city, you live in a different city. So, those dollars freely cross these little lines that we draw on maps. Mm-hmm. Um, and workforce does the same thing, right? Workforce doesn't stay within those jurisdictions either. So, economies fundamentally work regionally. Um, I think too often. Um, Entities see themselves within regions, see themselves as competitors, which is a, which is, I think, a real issue in this region. So, in the year and a half that I've been here, you know, we, we hear, I've heard stories of, you know, Tacoma competing with Seattle, and uh, you know, Seattle competing with Bellevue, and mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, yes, that's, there's going to be a certain amount of intra-regional competition, but all our boats are going to rise and fall together, you know, so. Mm. Belle, Bellevue needs Seattle to be successful. Tacoma needs Seattle to be successful and vice versa. You know, so at the end of the day, we're all in this together and we all need to work together. But it's important that um, cities and counties sub-regionally have good economic development programs to support a regional economic program. Mm. And so I, 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 the example I, I give is, um, this region, for example, which is no different than than Atlanta or Dallas or Minneapolis, is made up of multiple counties and multiple cities. And but the whole world sees, you know, Atlanta uh, mm. as as one region. But Atlanta, you know, I asked somebody this question once. I said, uh, what do you think the population of Atlanta is? And the answer was Five million. Uh, this is what this person said. They said, I think there's probably about mm. 5 million people live in Atlanta. And the answer is there's 470,000 people that live in Atlanta. Oh, wow. 470,000. So it's the 37th largest city in America. What he was referring to was the region, which is 29 mm. counties and dozens of cities, mm-hmm. like Dunwoody and Marietta and Alpharetta and Decab, And so people see most people see cities as regions anyway. Mm-hmm. And so like this region, when people, I always say Seattle's a word, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I always, I always say Seattle's a word that refers to this region. And, sure. uh, and most people, most, I would say people around the world see, they understand that there's multiple cities in Seattle, um, mm-hmm. uh, but Tacoma and Everett and Bellevue and Redmond and Kent and all these great cities are part of the Seattle region. And so right. it makes sense when you're marketing a region to use the the name of the city that's most well known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so Seattle is a is a well known international name versus I love Everett, I love Tacoma, I love Bellevue, you know, but they're not as mm-hmm. well known. The name isn't as well known. So we should all kind of rally around that, you know, that name that is most recognizable to the world.
0: Sure. It reminds me, as a as a quick aside, I, I was in Buenos Aires during a time in college, and it it uh, their neighborhoods are sort of how we describe our our sub cities, right? Um, and so there's a banner that you know, the the banner of Buenos Aires comprises all of the different neighborhoods, um, and we've just decided to have a, a bit more of a granular administrative detail, right? Um, yeah. So it breaks up all the different components into their own city names but yeah yeah
1: uh, well yeah it, it, the other thing is that some of these international cities are gigantic cities you know mm-hmm. american cities tend not to be don't have that large a footprint you know so you know i remember when i was in um i was in rio with the mayor of atlanta on a trade mission and we were all sitting around one of the deputy mayors asked mayor reed uh you know what's the population of atlanta Mm-hmm. And his answer was five million. <laughs> <laughs> right, right But he was the mayor of four hundred and seventy thousand. but Rio's I forget the population of Rio, it's probably like seventeen million, I'm guessing. Right, right, right. So it's very different people think all cities are the same, they're very different around the world, you know yeah, yeah. I mean even even you know American cities are like villages in China. You know, right, right. Yeah, you know, Chinese, you know, a big Chinese city is 25, 30 million. You know, yeah, small Chinese cities are 12 million. <laughs> you know, yeah. Our yeah. region, just for reference for the listeners, is our entire region is 4 million people who live in this region. Right. The population of the city of Seattle is just under 800,000 people, right? Yeah, right. It's
0: logarithmic almost, our relation to <laughs> yes. the Chinese city. Uh, yeah. So the, the next thing, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, and I do want to ask you about what you see when it comes to Seattle and the region's prospects. Um, and I, I kind of want to ask it in, in at two different levels, if you don't mind. We obviously sure. were recording this in the midst of of COVID-19, and, and the yeah. world's just tipped on its side, really. It changed, so for sure. Yeah. To ask the, you know, I, I'd love to ask in a vacuum, you know, maybe in the abstract, what you were seeing before everything started, and also then for maybe the same set of questions or to offer your perspective on knowing what we know, how do we maybe adjust to this new normal and also maybe take advantage of some of these, um, you know, these new realities to redress some of the things that haven't maybe been ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know first, you know, first of all, what, what gets you excited about the opportunities or are there specific projects that you've been really, um, drawn to and energized by? And then also, are there ones that you'd like to, you know, in this new environment we're living in, that you'd like to pursue with with more energy? Wow,
1: yeah, a lot there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: So I, I want to start up by saying that uh, I I mentioned earlier that you know the 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 economy here is is pretty spectacular. Uh, um, it's big and diverse. I I use the the phrase punch above its weight. Um. So our, our GDP per capita is one of the top in the United States. I think we're number two uh, GDP per capita. Uh, we are the, uh, the 11th largest economy in the United States right now by GDP. Um, and again, that's a region of only 4 million people. Um, it just so happens, Atlanta, a region of 6 million people, uh, their GDP is the 10th largest in the United yeah. States. Mm -hmm. Um, And the data, (laughs) pre-COVID data, was pretty clear that next year we we were going to surpass Atlanta in the size of the economy. So our Mm -hmm. regional economy next year, and it's lagging data, so it will likely show uh, uh, that we will pass Atlanta's economy next year. We'll be the 10th largest economy. So we were the fastest growing economy in the United States last year for the first time in a long time. I think maybe the first time in our history. So our regional economy. So, part of that is you know we're we're diverse. we have um you know, some big companies here, right so uh, another one of my favorite bragging points is there's only been four companies in u s history that have broken a trillion dollars in market value, and mm. two of those companies are from here there are sure. it's yeah. yeah, it's uh Microsoft and Amazon. Right. Now, think about that. That's remarkable. That's uh, not Chicago, New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, but from right. little old Seattle. You know, right. we have two trillion dollar companies. And the other two companies that are trillion dollar companies are uh, Apple um, and um, Google. And yes. Apple and Google, as you know, have uh, a huge and growing presence here within this region. In fact, yeah. I think I read recently that Apple will have more employees here than any place outside of their headquarters in Menlo Park. You know oh, wow. so so not only do we have that, uh, but we also have, you know, brands that uh, I'm almost ashamed to admit that I didn't know were Seattle companies. I, I didn't mm-hmm. know Redfin and Zillow were Seattle companies. I didn't mm-hmm. know uh, Warehouser was a Seattle company. I didn't know Nordstrom and REI and Expedia. Uh, or Seattle companies. Um, hmm. you know, I think most Americans think Boeing packed up and left, and they're not here right. <laughs> and as, right, you, right. as you know, Boeing has seventy five thousand employees in the state, and most of them are here in this region, right and then we have Blue Origin and we have SpaceX and our kind of you know aerospace and new space uh, mm-hmm. sectors that are growing um, and then all the other companies, you know. Disney has a huge presence here. HBO mm. has a huge presence here. Mercedes-Benz has their autonomous vehicle R&D global R&D center here. Oh wow! JP Morgan Chase has its global fintech R&D center here. So there's all these other gems that we have within a region that, by the way, also has three three deep water ports. You know, so it's it, it. There's not a lot of cities in America, in my opinion, that have <laughs> all of those economic, you know, assets. We're also and you know, the volcano, uh, Brian. We also and have a volcano. volcano. Yeah, that's right. true. We do. We do. <laughs> we do have that. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a pretty remarkable package of things. Um. So pre-COVID, we had, you know, we we were doing well, but you know that kind of growth, as we all know, um, creates problems. We had. You know, traffic and congestion and affordability and homelessness and, um, you know, things that come along with that kind of, you know, that level of growth. Uh, Brookings considers us uh, one of five superstar cities in the United States that has you know, a large share of tech jobs in America. You know, so a lot of places jealous, hmm. you know, despite the fact that, you know, that kind of growth does cause issues. So... Hmm. So I think we had we had a lot going for us, um, but I also believe we because of that diversity and because of that um, level of I think innovation and uh, one of the words I love about this region that people are very proud of is pioneering. You know I think mm. the culture of this region is pioneering. I think we we are not followers. We're not club joiners, is what someone told me that people here like to cut their own path. You know, which is why Mm -hmm. I think we've created companies like Amazon and Microsoft and Redfin and Zillow, right? These industry changing uh, kinds Mm -hmm. of companies. Um, So that stays with us. We are post-COVID. We're Mm -hmm. still pioneering. We're still innovative. We're still creative. We're still hardworking or just just who we are as a culture. We still have this amazing quality of life that attracts talent from all over the world. So none of that's going to change. So I think the new landscape, the new normal is going to be, you know, some clusters are going to win and grow. Mm. You know, if you watch the stock market, you know, companies like Amazon and Microsoft are doing really well right now. Mm. Um, Other clusters, maybe not so much. Things are going to shift. Supply chains will shift, I think. I think you might see some onshoring or reshoring of advanced manufacturing i think we stand to maybe benefit or take advantage of that hmm. so i and i also think the other you know the other thing that might come out of this that might be good is um, that that live work balance you know dealing hmm. i think telework's going to become a new normal we've seen zillow already you know announce that they're allowing their employees to work from home for the rest of the year um Amazon and Microsoft said their employees can work from home until October. So I think you'll see more telework. And that means people who come and move and live here don't have to live in the center of the region. You know, they mm. they you could live in Kitsap. You could live in Tacoma. You could live in Everett. And maybe you come down to the office, you know, I don't know, part of the month, you know, uh, part of the week, sure. I should say, or yeah. uh, but not every day. Which takes people off the roads, so I think we're positioned really well uh, long term to come out of this probably faster than most places.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm curious. So back to our topic at the at the top, you mentioned again one of the most positive trends you've seen is um, a greater consideration for inclusion and the consideration for how you know multiple. Um, demographies and and yeah. parts of a community are affected by an economic development project. And as we know, there's been different rates of advancement for different groups over the course of the last several decades. And there's an inflection point now, right? Are there are there things that that you think either you know we we could even consider on the national level that that you'd be excited to experiment with or try to to maybe uh, again redress some of the some of the challenges that. The economy, as it's been structured, has has rocked. Yeah. For different
1: well, I, I I touched upon one, which I think is the advent of telework or telecommuting. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, I my crystal ball doesn't work real great, but um, <laughs> but Dang I it.
0: think mine doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I know. An
1: extra. know. Yeah. I got to bring it to the shop and have that thing work. <laughs> on. But um, you know, I might be wrong, but I, it, it seems it seems logical that companies will allow people to work from home more, which I think is, uh, it helps address some of those issues of equity as people will be able to afford more house because you know, they won't have to live in the center of the region anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's an opportunity, but, you know, I was just on a call earlier today about the economic recovery, you know, prospects of this region. And one of the highly paid consultants on this call, uh, talked about workforce, you know, workforce development is going to, we're going to need to kind of retool our workforce as mm. workforce as workforce skills might shift. I think, for example, you know, you know, biotech, uh, we have a kind of a burgeoning biotech cluster here, as you know, um, and I, that's clearly going to grow uh, and have more importance. I think, um, I think we have to really, when we think about economic inclusion, we are at risk in this region um, because Um, I've said often that we're kind of barreling down that San Francisco path right now, Mm. you know, which San Francisco really has an exclusive economy. If you're not rich, you can't live there economy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're we're expensive, as you know, and everybody listening knows, but we're not as expensive as San Francisco, but we're on our way down that path. So. I think if we can rethink telework so that everybody doesn't have to jam into the center of the region and try to live as close to the center of the region as possible, mm. I, I think we have a. We also have a a long history of making things in this region. It's one of the things I love about this region. Uh, is that because we have three deep, deep water ports and great companies like Boeing, um, we're good at making stuff. That's why Blue Origin's here. That's why SpaceX just opened a facility in Redmond. Um, we have uh, companies that make satellites here um we have companies that make toys a uh, funco and everett right we have mm. uh, we have um we have a company in woodenville that may, called precore that makes high end exercise equipment like we make mm. all kinds of things here we make wine <laughs> you know we, <laughs> we we make a lot of stuff we have a manufacturing culture here so if there's this opportunity uh, that I think might emerge of reshoring of companies kind of rethinking their supply chains to get their product, their manufacturing closer to their customers, I think that's something this region could probably take advantage of and create more of those middle wage jobs, right? Mm-hmm. So those 25 to $45 an hour jobs, we're really good at creating $100,000 jobs and above. You know, which is for me, it's a little bit of a gear shifting as an economic developer coming from the south, you know, where all the focus was on $100,000 a year and above jobs. Like that's Mm. what you that's what you wanted. Truthfully, Greater Seattle Partners, our focus is going to be on those $25 to $45 an hour jobs that we're losing. You know, Mm. we want to make sure we're holding on to our aerospace uh, cluster, you know, which is, you know, has some real headwinds uh, for the next few years, you know, with mm-hmm. commercial air traffic changing and Boeing's issues, and we got to make sure we don't lose that, and we got to make sure that if there are opportunity for onshoring of advanced manufacturing, that we're taking advantage of those.
0: That's great, and, and before I move to our last mm-hmm. question, I just want to be sure if, um, if someone listening has you know, is interested in trying to get in touch with greater Seattle partners, can you tell the audience how they might be able to learn more and or reach out to your group? Yes. The best way would
1: be our website, which is uh, greater-seattle.com. Great. Greater-seattle.com. And we, that's where you can, you can find me on
0: that website too. If you want to get in touch with me directly. (laughs) Perfect. That's perfect. So I I, want to move to our last, you know, we started with a bit of Theory and I want to end in a bit of a fun thought experiment. Um, <laughs> it, well, who knows? It might not be as fun as I think. It is, but we'll give it a try. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll give it a try. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and I think you're well positioned to to offer a perspective on this because you have worked in different different parts of economic development. Um, let's imagine, and actually, the COVID reality offers us a, a more realistic thought experiment than we may have contemplated before but if we were (laughs) in a situation and let's say that we were the leading colonists on the moon for example um, and there was a you know a blank slate for us to build an economy from and if we thought of the different actors involved in in building a thriving economy be it government actors nonprofit actors private sector actors which of those hats would you like to wear which would be (laughs) the role you'd like to be in and what would be one of the the first things you'd try to do to get things off to a promising start. Oh wow, start. that's great. Um,
1: well, I think um, I, I've always spent my uh, my focus and my time in my career where the public and private sector meet. Right. Mm. So my my master's degree from the Claremont Graduate University in Southern California is in in politics, economics, and business. It was an M A P E B. Mm. And what it intrigued me about that was, you know, I'm in classes with, you know, policy government students and I'm in classes with economic students. And then and then I was in business classes at the Peter Drucker School of Management and dealing mm. with, you know, folks who were going to go in the private sector. And and then I ended up in economic development and economic development is essentially uh, y- you are the, the the bridge between the public and private sector. So I spent mm. a lot a lot of my career uh I feel like almost as a as an interpreter you know mm. trying to you know help government understand the needs of the private sector but also help private sector understand the you know the needs and requirements of government so I think we um places that operate well generally uh, tend to have really good working relationships between the public and private sector um, mm. Atlanta is an example where I just came from, where, um, you know, commerce is very important in the city of Atlanta and in that region. And, um, and there's a really good working relationship between the public and private sector government and private companies. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience here in this region is it's it's not as good uh, as you see some of the headlines coming out of the city of Seattle and uh, Amazon and taxes and, mm-hmm. um, and in conversations I've had that they've, you know, you you hear it's, you know, business regulation, business friendliness becomes issues. Um, so I, I don't think those things need to be so um, diametrically opposed. Mm. So if, if I were on the moon, starting a new colony, <laughs> mm-hmm. I would want to build a government from the beginning, uh, that made sure that private sector, uh, was interests were uh, being built into, uh, those, uh, those systems. Uh, and mm. so that the dialogue, uh, so that we're, they were building together so that they, they not, uh, seeing each other as adversarial. I think that's where you mm. can get best outcomes for everyone.
0: That's great. That's great. And that's a great, um, a great, thoughtful finish to our conversation. I want to thank you, Brian, for a really rich, really rich dialogue. And and thanks for being involved with the show. And I'm excited to, uh, to see what GSP does going forward.
1: Yeah, my pleasure, Trip. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening. Check the show notes for links and information mentioned in the episode. And explore the other episodes in this season to learn more on this topic. Look. I've listened to them all. I'm obviously a little bit biased, but I really do think each offers a valuable perspective you'll appreciate. Before we go, subscribe to our show to get new episodes as soon as they come online. And please rate us on whatever podcast app you use. That helps other people discover the show as well. We'd be excited to hear from you. Send us a mail at revolvepodcast at gmail.com.